Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by Spalding University's Sina Jeter Naslund, Karen Mann Graduate School of Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. It seems like there's a lot of attention on book bans these days in schools and libraries and other public places. Ban Books Week was held in early October because book bans and restrictions are on the rise in classrooms and libraries across the country. According to most authorities, including PEN America, PEN is an acronym for Poets, Essayist, and Novelist. Uh, They're one of the experts, and PEN America says that Today, books are under profound attack in the U.S. They are disappearing from library shelves, being challenged in droves, and being decreed off-limits by school boards, legislators, and even prison authorities. And elsewhere, it is uh, books that have uh, long found a place on the shelf in a library, books by authors of color, by LGBTQ plus authors, uh, by women authors, uh, books about racism, sexuality, gender, and even historical books. To discuss book banning on the podcast uh, today, I welcome Wayne Onkst and Tammy Blackwell. Wayne's first job uh, I read as a teenager was uh, shelving books at the Laurel County Library just a few years ago. He went into a career in uh, the library system uh, and has held many library positions as director and uh, other positions. He was appointed state librarian and commissioner of the library system in Kentucky in 2006, and he's been active in the Friends of Kentucky Libraries for many years. And Tammy Blackwell joins us from uh, Marshall County, from uh, Western Kentucky, the 2024 conference chair for the Kentucky Library Association. And uh, as I said, she's in Benton, Kentucky at the Marshall County Library. And I want to welcome both of you to our podcast. And I would say that in in some fashion to you both, um, we've always had controversy about um, maybe the abuse of uh, free speech or the First Amendment. Uh, We've had the debates about X-rated films, uh, Uh, certain words that you couldn't say in a crowded theater, for example. And it seems like we've always had, on occasion, uh, stories and controversies about uh, books that have been banned. But in my way of thinking, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and I'm sure it's not an outgrowth of COVID, but uh, it seems like since the first part of this decade, 2020, 2021, 22, we've had a um, a lot more discussion about book banning. And I just want to begin uh, our discussion today by asking you why you think that is. And we'll talk about what can be done about it and how grave a matter it is to you. But why would we all of a sudden, after maybe not hearing too much about it, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, did we all of a sudden hear about it um, in the last few years? Wayne, why don't you begin? Well, uh, while we, we do blame a lot of things on COVID, 
And I do think that COVID has, has something to do with this. Uh, I think if you look back through history, whenever there's a major calamity, uh, whenever we have something, something very serious that goes wrong in our country, when we come out of it, we do seem to have a spike in, uh, in book banning. There seems to be, a, uh, as people try to get back to normalcy, I believe there's a tendency to start questioning uh, the direction that we're going in some areas, and book banning seems to seems to be more prevalent after a major disaster or calamity. So I think that has something to do with it. But I also think that it's compounded with social media. Uh, people across the country connect. Uh, and it, it seems that those people who have a bone to pick uh, are, are very anxious and willing to do it on social media. Um, and some, I think in, in some cases, some of the extreme views are put out there and they're sold. And, and I think we've seen this. Maybe Tammy can, can talk more about this, but uh, a lot of the list of books that people are complaining about you see popping up in different communities all across the country. So I think it's a combination of, of trying to get back to normalcy after COVID and social media has, has really fueled, I think, this spike. Tammy, what can you add to that? Well, what I can add to that is the availability of information and to share information with others while in many ways it's good, um, that is also part of our problem. It's not just social media. A lot of these are an organized effort at this moment. Um, there is a specific list of books. You know, there is a website you can go to and you just download that list of books and it gives you, you know, there's instructions for like, okay, here's how you go to your library and you, um, you know, fill out a reconsideration form or whatever. And so that information has been made available for this organized effort. And so that's why it's so overwhelming at this point is and it's happening. You'll see the exact same books, the exact same thing happening in maybe Wyoming and then Georgia, which, you know, a hundred years ago when we were coming out of a, <laughs> A pandemic that wasn't possible you know you wouldn't have seen the exact same thing happening it all over america but that's what's happening right now tammy what exactly is a a book ban well we, when we use that word right now what we are tend to be talking about is the removal of a title from the shelf from being able to um, be checked out by a patron or a student, wh whatever type of library you're talking about. So it's a book that was available and is no longer there because of a complaint made about the content or the author or what have you. Wayne, in your experience, um, and it goes back uh, uh, to the time that you were growing up in a library um, and uh, then spent your entire career in a library. As Tammy has told me that she's been in Marshall County for a number of years. But uh, 
you have been in different parts of the state um, and then ended up as state librarian. What are the incidences that you recall in your career where book banning was a matter of um, or as as grave or as important or as uh, headline grabbing as it is uh, today? Well, interestingly enough, um, I've been doing research on the Kentucky Bookmobile Project, which uh, started in 1954. And that, that was the foundation for most of the library service across the state. And it so happens, uh, as uh, 100 bookmobiles were put on the road across Kentucky, that even at that point, there was a challenge. Challenge to the big sky by, uh, by Guthrie, who was a Kentuckian. And it, it, was, a, it was a major issue in, in one county. Uh, and so this is not something that's new. But it's happened over and over and over again. Um, you know, I think I don't know that that there's been an incident that has been terribly harmful long term. But um, it it tends to cast a spell over, I think, over the over the library, over the staff, over the trustees. Um that is more harmful maybe than anything else at this, uh, so far. Now that could change, but, um, you know, we, we don't get into this business or librarians don't get into this business to deal with things like that. We get in the, we get in the business to, to provide service, to help people, to provide information. And when we have incidents like this, it really casts a pall over the service. And I think that's one of the damaging effects that one of the I think one of the most damaging effects is that, um, you know, that we become a little bit uh, hesitant in the future. We're, we're much more cautious. And I think that's one of the uh, elements that we don't think a lot about. But it does. Uh, I think it hurt. I think it damages service in that way. Um, now. You know, on the other hand, I've seen when these incidents happen, there's often a lot of support that comes from the community. That people step up, and I, I think we're seeing some of that around the state already. That uh, people step up and realize the danger that these uh, challenges cause, and uh, it, in the long run, it may provide more support for the library. Tammy, as a, um, a working librarian, if I could call you that, as someone who's uh, working in the library every day uh, in a small community, uh, a large county, small community, um, have you uh, confronted or had uh, any of these episodes uh, in your region? We have fortunately not in Marshall County. Um, there are several places in Kentucky right now that are um, being um, just kind of overwhelmed with reconsideration forms. Uh, the Kentucky Libraries Unbound, which is a consortium of libraries across the state to provide ebooks through the Libby app. Um, I think in the last maybe six to eight weeks, we've received about 15 reconsideration forms um, for that. So, uh, 
it's definitely happening in the state of Kentucky, but as an individual library, Marshall County has not um, had much experience. Now, what do you mean by reconsideration form? So a reconsideration form is typically what any library will use in which you fill it out to let um, the library know what title and why you are asking for it to be removed. Sometimes people aren't even asking for it to be removed. Maybe they, you know, they're like, I think you need to move this to a different section or um, what have you. So it's the ask. And most libraries, if not all, have a policy then for how they handle those reconsiderations. You know, a committee's typically formed. The material is read in whole by everyone on that committee. And then a vote is taken. Um, and so when you have a library that receives 30 reconsiderations at a time, the time the staff is having to put in to appropriately examine that title to make the decision, it's, it's just vast. And then it's taking away from the services and programs then that we can offer to the rest of the community. Uh, you mentioned uh, some areas of Kentucky uh, that uh, have had some difficulty. Can you name those for us or, or tell us the, the regions that are, or, or Wayne, maybe you, you know that, where uh, uh, reconsiderations are, are, are underway? Um, Davis County is one that has had um, several, you know, just an overwhelming number turned in and Paris Bourbon County is the other that has really, um, you know, again, just an overwhelming number that is really, as Wayne said, that takes not just staff time, but it really weighs on staff morale and just the ability to function as you should as a library when you have, again, I think 30 is the number for one of them. So 30... <laughs> novels that an entire committee has to read all the way through that that's a lot of time so that would be about the uh, approximate at least in in kentucky or uh, the number that you're familiar with uh, i was going to ask the question i didn't know whether it was a fair question to either one of you uh, of how many books in the country in the united states have been banned i mean it must be hundreds uh 30 in kentucky sounds like a lot to me is that is that is that an unusual amount or or about an average amount, Wayne? Uh, what 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 in your in your knowledge of uh, of banned books? Uh, how does that stack up? Well, I don't think that many have been banned. I think that many have been challenged. Well, challenged. Uh, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, that, well, uh, at a single library, yes. That that's as yeah. Tammy says. That's you know our system is set up to deal with one or two challenges, where hmm. this the. Every library has a process set up for reconsideration. You know, we understand that uh, at some point uh, there may be a citizen or resident who wants who wants to challenge a book, and that that has happened. Uh, you know, and in, in the old annual reports that public libraries file every year, there's a question: How many challenges do did you have? And over the past, I remember we would have you know twelve or fifteen, maybe for various reasons. Um, so, but when you start, and so the system is set up to deal with that very thoroughly. We want to make sure that we're making the right decision. So a reconsideration process takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. 
it's designed for only one or two or three or a handful a year, not when you start getting 30 or 40 or 50, as some of the libraries here and across the country are doing. Um, when you ask for a reconsideration, is it uh, up to the library or the library, the, the library staff to read through that? Or do you have an, um, is the board involved? Uh, is there an outside uh, uh, panel that uh, is asked to read along? How, how, what is it, or is there not a, is there an official process in place uh, that you follow when a reconsideration uh, or someone challenges uh, you? Uh, e either one of you could answer that. Well, Tammy, do you want to take that? Sure. I mean, again, the way Kentucky libraries are set up, we each make our own policies mm -hmm. um, that are approved by board. So we all might do it just slightly different. Um, but typically, it is a committee of staff members um, that make the initial judgment. And then when they send that to the patron who um, turned in the reconsideration form, then that person is allowed to take it further. If they do not agree with that decision, um, then they can take it before the board of trustees. Is the board of trustees... Um... Now, this is where I understand there's also been a, a little difficulty in some other areas, maybe not in Marshall County. Uh, the Board of Trustees is appointed or elected, uh, or are there different uh, ways that that's handled in each county, Wayne? Um, no, in most counties, it's the same. And uh, I believe, oh. Tammy may know, 105 or 106 counties where there's a special taxing district that funds the library, there's a process set up in state law as to how the trustees are appointed. Now, the legislature changed that process at the last session. Uh, previously, uh, the county judge executive would appoint the board based on nominees that were provided from the library board. Library board provide two nominees, the county judge would select one. The legislature changed that process. That process had been in in place for about 70 years. Legislature decided to change it so that the county, so that essentially the county judge can appoint whomever he or she chooses. Now, I have worked with hundreds, hundreds of county judges over the years. Most of them, I believe, will do the wise thing and they will rely on the nominees from the library board. However, there's also a political element so that um, if the county judge gets enough political heat, I'm sure some of them may decide to appoint a, a trustee who has some type of agenda. And, and that, that is a problem for public libraries. If, if, a, if a trustee has an agenda uh, and wants to uh, enforce it or put it in place as a policy for the library, then uh, the service is not what it should be. It doesn't serve the community as well as it should. Would there be other, um, not asking you to invent something that is not a, already a problem, but it, would, would there be other items on an agenda that a, that a county judge uh, might be interested in or having people on the board to look at, uh, Tammy, other than 
uh, just uh, banning books. Uh, I'm trying to think right now. I can't uh, think of anything off the top of my head. I'm sure you have some some thoughts about that. Well, another part of the law that um, was changed included um, a way for, to be perfectly honest, I don't understand it completely, but it's for library property to be transferred to educational institutions. And so if there was someone, for example, you know, that the current library board was not willing to give up a piece of property um, to another educational institution, you could then, as board members leave, fill the board with people who would be more willing to yeah. to do that. To you know, yeah. um, I know that that is maybe a concern in some places that mm -hmm. um, they're wanting to take things, you know, properties that belong to the library and mm -hmm. give them. To other places, <laughs> Wayne and the bill. It also let me add, add to that. Yeah. It also the tax rate. You know, trustees set the library tax rate. Mm -hmm. If uh, if for some reason a, a the political entity in the county decides they want the tax rate lowered, uh, they could reduce funding for the library. Uh, the law also requires construction projects of more than a million dollars to be approved with fiscal court, which has never happened before. So every library project basically. Every new building, every building renovation is going to have to go before the fiscal court, which has never happened before. So all those are issues that could could be impacted by a uh, board by by points to the board of trustees. Uh, Wayne, how long uh, were you a uh, state uh, librarian and um, in, in that position? Nine years. In the nine years of your service. Did you ever, do you know of a book that was ever banned? I'm trying to think. think. I, I do not recall a book that was ever removed. There were some books that were moved, for example, from the children's area to maybe the adult area or from the teen or young adult area to the, to the adult area. I think that happens occasionally. I don't recall a book that was removed for the library, but that may have happened. And Tammy, when a book is uh, happens to be banned or under consideration, are parents or students who want that child to read a book, that book, aren't those books relatively available somewhere else? Um, maybe not cost free. Oh, right. You know. The the thing about public libraries is that we provide an equal playing ground for information and education. Anybody of any social economic stature can come in and get the materials they're looking for. I mean, we we make lots of efforts to make sure that people can get the information that they want. We do interlibrary loans. You know, we. Um, we purchase materials that have been suggested, that sort of thing, because we believe strongly that's the core of who we are, is that people should have equal access to information. And so if it's not available here, then for some families, it's not available. 
And you're not saying, I don't think either one of you are, that that parents should not have any rights at all about what uh, is in a library or what what a child is reading. Uh, it just needs to be something between the parent and the librarian or the library staff. Is that is that worded correctly? Absolutely. You know, we we want the parent to be able to decide what their child reads and only the parent. You know, we want the parents, we so much want the parents to be involved. We want them to come to the library with a child. We want them to select the books with their child. We want them to know what their child is reading, just like we want them to know what their child is doing online, who they're talking to on uh, social media, what video games they're playing, what movies they're watching. That's the parent's responsibility. However, we don't believe that one parent should be able to tell another parent what books their child can read or what they should be doing in the library. We, we, need, to make, we need to make a wide a variety of materials as possible available so that every parent can know the resources they need and the resources they want for their children are available. So one parent should not be able to restrict what materials are available for another parent to use. I'm talking with uh, Wayne Onks, a former state librarian and uh, a librarian of, uh, of some uh, career status, and Tammy Blackwell, who is a working librarian at the Marshall County Public Library in Benton, Kentucky. And we'll be back with some final questions right after we hear from our good friends at Spalding University. At Spalding University's Low Residency MFA program, creative writing students come to campus for an exciting week of learning each semester, followed by independent study from home that fits in with work and family life. Write prolifically, explore across genres, gain editorial experience on a literary journal, and become part of a lifelong writing community. Writers thrive at Spalding's Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing. Learn more at spalding.edu forward slash MFA or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Wayne and Tammy, uh, as we wrap up, um, first to you, Wayne, what do you see on the horizon for the upcoming General Assembly? And uh, uh, not that uh, the state of Kentucky doesn't have uh, enough problems to deal with, do you think? Uh, the the governance of library boards or book bans will become an issue in this uh, coming General Assembly? I certainly hope not. Uh, you know, as you, as you say, the, there are a lot of problems in the state that the legislature will have to be dealing with. And we do not feel that they need to get involved in management of the public library. And I don't believe the citizens of this state want the legislature to become involved in management of the library. We hope they will uh, give libraries the opportunity to serve their communities as they see the need to do so. And Tammy, uh, for your part, uh, just in your area, but certainly as your uh, conference chair uh, and the work that you'll be doing uh, this next year in 2024, what would you suggest that uh, people who are concerned or interested in 
whether it's a book banning or or any governance uh, issue that uh, might affect uh, the library, how can they express their their interest and support to you uh, throughout uh, next year and the years to come? You know, honestly, the best thing anybody can do to support the library is to use the library. We offer so many services, so many programs. Libraries across Kentucky are doing so many amazing things. And I think simply by using the library and seeing what's available, I see it all the time. People get excited and then they talk to other people and get them into the library to see what's happening. And once you realize all the good that we're doing, um, it's hard not to be supportive because we are really strengthening our communities. Um, we're creating a generation of readers, of um, a generation of kids that are going to be kindergarten ready. We have so many preschoolers and toddlers using the library right now that I think Kentucky's kindergarten readiness numbers are going to just soar in a couple of years. And um, we're doing some really exciting things. And it's just unfortunate that Right now, a lot of focus seems to be on those few people who um, want to see some titles no longer on our shelves. Well, that's uh, very well said and a, um, a great um, uh, said with passion and, and uh, great belief. I love going to libraries. Uh, as you know, Kentucky Humanities does a, a lot of work in public libraries all around the state. And uh, I think I mentioned to you that I was just down in uh, Boyle County Um where we had one of our museum on main street exhibits uh, that just uh, finished up there. Um, it'll be traveling around to some other libraries. Um, every time I go in um, and I'm, I'm, I hesitate to, to name the ones that are in our region up here. Uh, but I, every time I go in one, I'm just amazed at um, the work that's being done, uh, the activity, uh, the, uh, the kids that are are there, the adults that are there, uh, it's just um, it, it's just quite uh, stunning to me. I I took somebody with me uh, the other day that uh, to the exhibition um, of uh, Spark Places of Innovation, and to one of the, the libraries, and um, she was just amazed. She had not been in this library, and uh, just how beautiful it was, but how functional it was, and how active it was. There were just there were children and adults all over the place, and that's what we usually find. So uh, good luck to you and, and uh, Wayne, I know you're in a, uh, a, a capacity of, uh, of uh, being the, um, I guess the overseer of a lot of uh, policy and, and they call on you for uh, your expertise over the years. So uh, Tammy Blackwell and Wayne Ox, thanks very much for joining us on Think Humanities. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.